With the media and big tech suppressing every single story, contradicting every single story that might be negative about Joe Biden, President Trump has finally figured out a way to get around them. Take a look at this clip. We had it made up, and I think you're like, first time I've ever done this, right? First time. Go ahead, wherever it is, put it up. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuel. No more, no new fracking. I'd gradually move away from fracking. And I think it's critically important on day one that we end any fossil fuel leases on public lands. Oh, well, like, what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. pipeline infrastructure? Yeah, and, pipeline. And, and, exactly. and they, they want to do the same thing I want to do. They want to phase out fossil fuels and we're going to phase out fossil fuels. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. And what we don't show is his more current version. Oh, yes, we'll have fracking. And the fake news, they don't do anything about it. They don't even talk to him about it. But right now, he's got bigger problems than fracking, I think. Right now, he does have bigger problems, and that would be his son Hunter Biden's laptop. But you see that he uses tech to get around the media, which won't cover the story. So, and then it's being suppressed on big tech. So he plays the clip, and then both of them have to cover it. I believe that is Inception. But President Trump has more tricks up his sleeve, not just on the Hunter Biden stuff, which he alluded to, but also possibly breaking up the biggest tech giant in the world. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday is from Zane, who says, every time Joe Biden says, come on, man, he assumes someone's gender. That's true. Of all the issues that people are bringing up to Joe, nobody mentions that about how he keeps assuming people's gender. He assumed Corn Pop's gender. He assumes a lot of people's gender. You know what you can't assume though? That uh, you can keep charging things to your credit cards forever and ever and ever and that'll be fine. What you need to do is consolidate all of that. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. The application is 100% online. You don't even have to leave your house to apply. And these days, I think you're not allowed to leave your house. So that works out very well. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000 and there are absolutely no fees. You can even get your funds as soon as the day you apply. People love Lightstream. Okay, here's, here's just what one customer had to say. Said, I heard about Lightstream while listening to one of my favorite podcasts. I hope it was this one. And it prompted me to do more research after shopping around for a personal loan that would help me get a lower interest rate. There was no one easier to work with. Plus, Lightstream had the best rate by far. Better yet, no fees. And I had my cash within two business days. Overall, amazing experience. Highly recommended. Right now, this is a great opportunity to solve your credit card debt problem. Consolidate that. Stop paying crazy crazy rates and fees. My listeners right now can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. It is L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Knowles. Subject to credit approval rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Knowles for more information. 
President Trump had some choice words there for the media because the media won't cover any of these stories. In, in this case, Joe Biden saying for months and months and months, he's going to ban fracking, ban fossil fuels. Then finally he changes his tune because he wants to get votes in Pennsylvania, which may well decide the election. So they won't cover it. So what does he do? He knows that the media have to cover his rallies because they're so wacky. They're so off the cuff that some news might break. And so at the rally, he uses multimedia to play the clips which then the media have to cover and not even big tech are going to break up. At some of these events, however, President Trump has used even choicer language for his friends in the media. Your state is doing great with a pandemic. Pandemic. They're getting tired of the pandemic, aren't they? Getting tired of the pandemic. You turn on CNN, that's all they cover. COVID, COVID, pandemic, COVID, COVID, COVID. You know why they're trying to talk everybody out of voting? People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. They're not buying it. That's all they're talking about. You know that I, of all the things President Trump does, I probably like 99% of them. The one thing that drives me crazy is when he goes blue. I just don't like it. I don't love the vulgar language. However, I'm going to take my personal thoughts about this away for a second and just look at it more as an objective outside observer. There's a reason those people are cheering. When President Trump calls the media stupid bastards, there's a reason that they cheer. And it's not just that they're a group of hateful, awful, terrible people. I bet you every single Trump voter in the country, 63 million people would cheer at that. And frankly, I bet you another 30 million would cheer at that too, who didn't even vote for Trump because the mainstream media have lost all of their credibility. And it's not just that they're hacks for Democrats. For the past six, seven months, they have been actively trying to gin up fear, gin up mayhem, lock people in their homes, all to win a presidential election. That is what the lockdown is about. The lockdown is about winning a presidential election. Trump's analysis there, that they wanna keep you all terrified of going out and voting, is precisely so that they can have widespread unsolicited mail-in voting, which we have never had in the history of our country and which we have already seen examples of vulnerability to fraud. Now, there are people are going to tell you there's no evidence that there has been fraud in the past. There's no evidence in the past because we've never had this in the past. This is completely brand new and it's been brought on because of these crazy lockdowns when, where the media insists on the lockdowns or else we're all going to die insists on the lockdowns when it comes to church, insists on the lockdowns when it comes to protests, insists on the lockdowns when it comes to voting in person, but does not want the lockdowns when it comes to mostly peaceful BLM protests, mostly peaceful BLM riots, mostly peaceful BLM arson. Okay. I, I, I get it. President Trump, it's, it's easy to blame him for whipping up this frenzy against the media. Uh-uh, buddy. Trump, Trump is the consequence. Trump is the symptom of a fury against the media, which the media have earned through their thorough corruption. And you, you don't know the half of their corruption. It gets so much worse today because we now have confirmation from the Department of Justice and the FBI that the Hunter Biden laptop and the Hunter Biden emails and the emails showing that he was selling his dad's influence for millions of dollars to Ukraine and to China and the emails suggestion that Joe Biden was well, not only aware of this, but he was involved in this and more evidence that Joe Biden was getting a cut of this, of all this corruption, selling out America. The DOJ and the FBI confirmed this was not Russian disinformation. 
This is what we've been heard, told now for the past two weeks, more than two weeks. It's disinfo. It's Russian interference. No one should ever run this. We've got to suppress the story. Twitter's not going to let people share the link. New York Post still locked out of Twitter. A senior law enforcement official is now saying uh, FBI and DOJ concur with John Ratcliffe, who's the director of national intelligence. Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails in question weren't part of a Russian disinformation campaign. And the FBI now does have possession of Hunter Biden's laptop. First of all, the emails are obviously real. How do I know they're real? Because not only do they sound real, not only do they refer to real events, they include photographs of Hunter Biden in very compromising positions. So either the, the Photoshop people at the Russian disinformation camp are the, are the most qualified and skilled in the world, or these are photos and this is real material that comes from Hunter Biden. Now, that hasn't stopped the mainstream media from pushing this disinformation narrative. Just, just take a listen to the sort of people who have pushed the lie, with, with no evidence, by the way, that all this damaging info about the Bidens, Joe and Hunter, is Russian disinfo. Rachel Maddow, MSNBC, Nick Schifrin, PBS, Yamiche Alcinder, PBS, Steve Holzer, CBS News Director. CBS News Director, who, by the way, reprimanded in public one of his reporters because his reporter dared ask Joe Biden about these issues of Hunter's emails and Joe's inappropriate relationship to Ukraine and China. The reporter just asked the question, did what reporters do? CBS News Director comes out there and says, how dare you? You shouldn't do that. Steve Holzer. Politicians who have pushed this, Adam Schiff, of course, he probably cooked the whole thing up himself. Chris Murphy, Democratic Senator, Rep. Bill Pascrell, Rep. David Cicilline, all Democrats. The blue check marks on Twitter who have pushed this complete lie. 100% we now have confirmation from three intelligence agencies lie. Amy Siskind, uh, who's a blue check on Twitter, Neera Tandon from the Center for American Progress. Ben Rhodes, who was uh, Barack Obama's fabulist. He was, he was one of these, these complete blockheads behind the Iran deal and, and a lot of Barack Obama's foreign policy. All of the Pod Save America guys, they just completely lied about this. Uh, Evan McMullen, Egg McMuffin, that, that jerk, that, that never Trumper who ran for president in 2016. He was an ex-CIA guy who was very upset that Trump was running against his, uh, his uh, intelligence community that has obviously taken way, way, way too much power. Bill Crystal, remember Bill Crystal? David Frum, another former Republican, I guess. All these guys pushed this Russian disinfo hoax without a single shred of evidence. How about from big publications? Washington Post, Business Insider, Newsweek, USA Today, CNN, and many, many others. I just don't have time to go through all of them. This, this is what Trump is up against. We've now, we've heard from major media figures. We've heard from major politicians. We've heard from major cultural figures, major Republican figures, even though they're fake Republicans, but they pretend to be Republicans on TV and the biggest news outlets in the world, all arrayed against President Trump, pushing a complete fabrication. And, and you think, you think when, when conservatives say that Republicans don't have institutional power, conservatives don't have institutional power. You say, well, you got the White House, you got the Senate. We don't have nothing, pal. Okay. We've got some positions in the government. Thankfully we have the White House and we're holding the Senate. But compared to that liberal establishment that I've just described, it's not very much. It's not very much. And it is astounding to me when I talk to my democratic friends and relatives and they just spout these hack talking points that come from all of these various people.
without evidence. I think, oh, you just, the big divide here is not whether you are this kind of a conservative or that kind of a conservative or a liberal Democrat or a new left or that. A big divide is, do you believe the New York Times or not? Do you believe what the establishment are telling you or not? Do you still have faith in this establishment or do you not? And it, so it doesn't cut evenly across left and right, but there are, there are some people who still believe in it and that's why they always get misled. But all those guys were lying, or at least were misled by people who were lying. The computer is legitimate. The emails are legitimate. And even though Joe Biden told us that he has nothing to do with Joe, with Hunter Biden's business deals, we now have a photo from that laptop showing Biden smiling with one of Hunter Biden's corrupt Kazakh business partners. You know, this scandal that Hunter Biden is now involved in, if I had to draw just one practical conclusion from that, it would be, you need to protect yourself online. Okay. <laughs> this is my greatest segue ever in the history of my show. October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And every day we put our information at risk on the internet. You could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like, for instance, your social security number for sale on the dark web. If you become a victim of identity theft, LifeLock can help you restore your identity easier than what you can do on your own. It's not very smart to use the same password for everything. That's one example. Not very smart to go online, not protect your data. Not very smart to leave your computer at repair shops for weeks at a time. Not very smart to do these things, okay? You've got to protect yourself online. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S for 25% off the guys that I trust. Head on over there now. So it's legit. Forget about all those photos with, with Hunter Biden with a cigarette dangling from his teeth or, I don't know, a pipe of some sort hanging from his teeth. Those aren't the most interesting ones. The other day when, when people were pushing those photos out, I, I said that I don't think that's the right tack to take. I don't think it's good to make fun of him for being a drug addict or anything like that. Didn't occur to me though. And it should have, it, it occurred to me shortly thereafter, but it should have occurred to me in the moment then. The reason that those photos of Hunter Biden with the cigarettes and the crack pipes and all that came out were, was not to make fun of Hunter Biden for being a, a junkie. The reason those photos came out was to show that this is obviously legitimate material because it, an oil painter didn't come up with those pictures. Those were real photos from the laptop. And those photos aren't the interesting ones. The photos that are interesting for our purposes are the ones showing Joe Biden smiling with Hunter's corrupt Kazakh business partners. And lest you think, by the way, lest you think that this is just some accident. Oh, poor old Joe, his son just suckered him into taking a picture with these Kazakh guys. Joe Biden is a very shrewd politician. He's not a very intelligent man. He's not a very honest man. He's not a very accomplished man in terms of what he's actually accomplished while in office. He's had the accomplishment of being in office for a long time. But he is a shrewd politician. That's how he stayed in office so long. He knew that his presence in those photos would be of value to those Kazakh guys. He was offering that value. Okay, Joe, you don't pull the wool over Joe Biden's eyes when it comes to 
pure politics, okay? You might on a host of other issues, but the guy's a slick politician and nobody should pity him in the realm of politics. So this photo was first published last year at an anti-corruption website called the Kazakhstani Initiative on Asset Recovery. Uh, This didn't get a lot of play when it was published there, but now (laughs) we've got the photo too. Purports to show Hunter Biden and Joe Biden together with Kazakhstan's former prime minister, Karim Masimov at the far right and at the far left, Kanez Rakishev, who is a junior partner of Timur Kulebaev. Stay with me. And Rakishev is a prominent investor and entrepreneur regarded as one of the most influential businessmen in Kazakhstan. Rakishev is among the 50 most influential people in Kazakhstan. Obviously connections to all these oligarchs. Hunter Biden doing business with them. Why? Is he some expert on Kazakhstan business affairs? No, I don't think so. He was peddling his father's influence. And as the photo shows, Joe Biden was helping him out to do it. Raises a lot of questions. One of the messages from Hunter Biden's computer says that he kicks back half of his salary to Pops. Who's Pops? Is it Corn Pop or is it Papa Biden? What did he mean by that? I don't know. I guess we're going to have to find out. By the way, by the way, You know, the Post broke this story, the New York Post, the oldest continually published daily newspaper in the country, founded by Alexander Hamilton. The Post is still not allowed back on Twitter. They've now, Jack Dorsey came out, he realized that the federal government is about to smack him really hard. So he allowed people to start posting the link a little bit more. But the Post is still not on Twitter. The in-kind contribution that Twitter is making to the Biden campaign by continuing to suppress this information, by suppressing the outlet that is breaking this information, is impossible to calculate. What is it worth? Millions? Certainly it's worth millions. Might be worth 10 million or 20 million. It's worth a lot of money, which sounds like an FEC violation to me. Sounds like Sounds like the Federal Election Commission should look into Twitter's practices because there are many ways in which big tech is breaking the law. We'll get to that in a second with Google. But, but Twitter is ma- breaking the law, not just in a matter of antitrust. I don't think they're going to go after Twitter for antitrust. Not breaking the law. Maybe, maybe they're breaking the law when it comes to Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. But they are certainly violating campaign finance law right now. And it would be, it would be a shame if the federal government let that go without addressing it. However, the DOJ has a bigger fish to fry right now when it comes to big tech because the DOJ, this is probably the the biggest news story when it comes to business or technology, maybe of my lifetime, certainly of the last 20 years, the DOJ is now moving to break up Google as a monopoly. They are suing Google. They've filed a 57-page complaint that has been filed in the U.S. District Court in D.C. accusing Google of locking out competition. And the way that they're, they're going after this suit is pretty interesting because it's not the way a lot of people expected them to go after the suit. It's, it's in a more specific way that actually will have broader implications. And, you know, one of the issues, we'll, we'll get to specifically what that is in a second. One of the issues with big tech is that they can see you everywhere. They can keep an eye on you everywhere. And that's a very bad thing when you are being spied on, but it's a very good thing when you can keep an eye on your home, your family, your pets, your belongings, and get some peace of mind. You can do that with Ring. There's a reason. 
There are, there are a thousand reasons why protecting your home should matter to you. Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. Best of all, you can see it all in one simple app. With Ring, you can keep an eye on your home no matter where you are, whether you're in your home, whether you're at the office, whether you're on a beach somewhere. You know, I give out the, the Ring starter kit to my friends as a housewarming gift. Well, guess what? I'm getting a house in Nashville now. I'm going to get a house and I cannot wait to protect my house. I'm so excited to be the recipient of the gift that I usually give to my friends. When we get on over to that house, I will give you an update. Because if somebody stops by, something's going on, Ring will let you know. They'll let you know if it's a delivery man. They'll let you know if it's a marauder. They will let you know if it's your mother-in-law. And really, who's to say? Which one of those is is worse, which is better. It's very, very hard to say. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit at ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Comes with Ring's Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro, the absolute perfect way to start your Ring experience, plus two-day free shipping. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. The way that the DOJ is looking to break up Google is interesting. We sort of expected them to go after, I don't know, YouTube. Let's say YouTube, right? YouTube really is the video player for the whole internet. And they suppress information and they, they turn out voices that they don't like. And there's no way to compete against them. And everyone says, well, what about, I don't know, Vimeo? What about whatever? Right. Yeah. Even Vimeo, which has been around forever, no competition whatsoever against YouTube. You can't, you can't just go out and make your own YouTube, right? But that's not how they're going after them. They're going after search. Google has a zillion products, right? They have Gmail, they have Google uh, Voice, they've got uh, YouTube, they've got Google Glasses, they've got all sorts of stuff, right? Search is their core competency. Search is where all of Google's power comes from. And what the DOJ is saying is that their search is effectively a monopoly. And you know this. We, we see this with conservative issues all the time. Google suppresses conservative results. They boost up left-wing results. And by doing that, they manipulate the flow of information. They control something like 80% of the information flow around the internet. And so, and by the way, if you are on the first page of Google, you're there, you exist, you're on the internet. If you're on page two, you might as well not exist. It's, it's that stark. And they are controlling that in a way that is, according to the DOJ, monopolistic. Okay, these are the stakes that we've got right now. You've got three companies, but really it's Google. Google's the big dog. Facebook and, and Twitter, much less so. You've got these companies controlling the flow of information around the internet, controlling our public square. The public square is essential in a free government, in self-government, where we have to persuade our fellow citizens. They are controlling our speech and they have no accountability whatsoever. They acquired the, that ability through fraud by telling people that they were entering into some one product and then giving them a different product, telling people that they were entering into being able to share their information around and then pull the wool, pull the rug out from under them, start suppressing political views that they don't like. Through the fraud of uh, enjoying protection from section 230 and saying we're going to be a neutral tech platform and then actually, sorry, we're going to act as a publisher, but we're still going to get that subsidy because of the liability protection. They've done all of that. And even beyond all those legal issues, you just zoom out from a political issue. We can't abide that. We can't abide very, very bad people with very, very uh, anti-American views controlling the American public sphere. 
There's, there's no argument. There's no conservative argument for that. There's no libertarian argument for that. There's no liberal argument. It, you cannot have that in free government. And those are the stakes. These issues, you know, people talk about Trump's Twitter or whatever. We should be talking about Twitter, Twitter, not Trump's Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is the issue. I don't, who cares what Trump is tweeting? These are the stakes. There is no excuse for any non-leftist not to vote for Donald Trump in this election. I don't care you don't like the way he talks. I don't care you, you, you don't like that he uses vulgar language about the press. I, don't, I actually don't like that either. But get your priorities in order, man. This is, these are the stakes. This is by far the most conservative president of my lifetime. But he's, he's kind of the lone voice against this entire establishment that threatens to snuff out self-government itself. I don't think that's an overstatement. DOJ doesn't think that's an overstatement. There is no issue that could possibly justify a non-leftist voting for Joe Biden or Egg McMuffin or whatever the libertarian candidate is or whatever. You, I understand that it, it doesn't feel morally pure all the time to go in and actually vote and actually do anything. It requires courage and it requires you to be able to take a risk. We have to do that. Some people are not willing to do that. Former chairman of the Republican National Committee, Michael Steele, an absolute joke. Michael Steele came out and endorsed Joe Biden. Imagine that night, tensions high, a nation torn apart, a plot here in Baltimore City to assassinate a newly elected president on his way to inauguration and to plunge the country into chaos. Abraham Lincoln disembarked at this train station and under pre-dawn skies made his way unscathed and on to greatness. In the days ahead, we may face a crisis of similar proportion, an outlaw president clinging to power and defying the will of the people. For four years, many have said there will come a moment. Well, this is the moment because this ballot is like none ever cast. Now I'm a lifelong Republican and I'm still a Republican, but this ballot is how we restore the soul of our nation, electing a good man, Joe Biden, and a trailblazer, Kamala Harris, and ensure an orderly transfer of power or plunge our country into chaos. America or Trump? I choose America. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. Joe Biden is not a good man and Kamala Harris is not a trailblazer. How is Joe Biden a good man? Well, Trump lies. Joe Biden has told many, many more lies than Donald Trump. And much more importantly than that, Joe Biden has told much more consequential lies than Donald Trump. Joe, Donald Trump lies, meaning exaggerates, about his crowd sizes. And maybe he gets a, a few statistics or facts wrong every now and again, which by the way, isn't a lie if you do it unintentionally. Joe Biden had to drop out of the 1988 presidential race because he lied very intentionally. Joe Biden has lied about his views on fracking for just to use the one example at the top of the show. Joe Biden lied about the, the, a man involved in a horrible family tragedy with Joe Biden, where his, where his wife was killed in a car accident. The, the man who was involved in that car accident felt terrible for his whole life, but you know, they sort of made, made peace. And then the minute that guy died, Joe Biden lied about him and said he was a drunk driver horribly uh, damaging to this guy's family. Joe Biden has lied about his views on ju just about every single issue. Joe Biden lies about stories in the past all the time. What do you mean a good man? And now it looks like he might be a crook. <laughs> That's what the evidence seems to suggest. He's, and how is Kamala Harris a trailblazer? 
Really, I suspect what Michael Steele is alluding to is the way that everyone uses this phrase trailblazer now, which is to refer to people's skin color or sex. But she's not a trailblazer on race. We've already had a black president. She's not a trailblazer on sex because we've already had a female vice presidential candidate, Sarah Palin, and Geraldine Ferraro for that matter. So she's not a trailblazer in any way. She's a hack politician who, like Joe Biden, doesn't have any principles and goes whichever way the wind blows. You're going to pick that over Trump? Why? Because my country, Matt, the soul of our country. What soul of our country? Joe Biden is suing nuns. Joe Biden is calling for abortion up until the moment of birth at taxpayer expense. Soul of our country? That's disgusting. That's despicable. Soul of our country. But, but Michael Steele is just using words. I, he doesn't mean any of these things. Michael Steele was always a squish. Don't forget that. Michael Steele was always a squish. Back in, in 2009, Michael Steele threw Rush Limbaugh under the bus, a much more important and significant conservative than Michael Steele, because it, it actually revealed the role of the Michael Steeles of the world and the other squishy Republicans in the kind of framework of liberalism. In, in 2009, Barack Obama is inaugurated and uh, Rush Limbaugh has asked, can you give us four paragraphs? I think it was in the Washington Post. Can you give us four paragraphs on what you hope to see from this president? And he said, I don't need four paragraphs. I need four words. I hope he fails. Makes perfect sense. Barack Obama said he wanted to fundamentally transform America. I hope he fails. Barack Obama wanted to socialize our health care. I hope he fails. Of course, makes perfect sense. And he was castigated for this, including by Michael Steele, who said that Rush's commentary was ugly. Well, and not, not even just in that specific case, but generally was ugly. You know, Michael Steele, he did preside, or he was the chairman of the RNC during the 2010 midterms, which were very good for the GOP because of the Tea Party. The Tea Party was what led that election. But I don't think that was Michael Steele's leadership. I think that was Obamacare. I, think it was, I don't think anybody said, I'm going out to vote because Michael Steele did a good job. No, they said, I'm going out to vote because of Obamacare. So does he get a little credit for that? Maybe. But, you know, you're talking about a once in a hundred years issue, certainly once in a generation issue. The reason that Michael Steele didn't like Rush Limbaugh, the reason that Michael Steele's endorsing Joe Biden, the reason that Michael Steele essentially said that he, he hoped Barack Obama would succeed by disagreeing with Rush, who said, I hope he fails, is that Michael Steele's job, the role of squishy Republicans in the liberal framework, is to be losers. That's their job. And the liberals actually need them. If the liberals didn't have Republicans rolling over and pretending to put up a fight, but then rolling over, they would have a crisis of legitimacy. The regime wouldn't seem legitimate because there would be an opposition that was underground. But as long as you have a fake opposition that is a little above ground and they, you know, they take a couple swings, they go into the ring and they maybe throw a punch or two, but then they get clocked in the head and they take a fall like they're supposed to. Unless you have that, the, the regime is not legitimate. You see plenty of loser Republicans like this. Mitt Romney is kind of the classic example of this. He goes out, he puts up a little bit of a fight, and then ultimately he wants liberalism to succeed and to advance. John McCain, same thing in his political career. He wanted liberalism to advance and he'd put up a little fight as a Republican, but does anybody really think if John McCain were still alive today, they would be endorsing Trump in this election? Uh, something tells me, I don't think so. The, there have been a lot of Republicans like that for way, way, way too long. Okay, squishes and outright political subversives have dominated the Republican Party for too long. And then you got Trump. And Trump's got some problems, I guess. But you know what? I don't care. I don't care because he's actually putting up the fight. 
And I think that's why they're pushing back on him so hard. I think that's why right now you're seeing such kind of chaos in the country, social chaos that the left is instigating. And by the way, when there is social chaos, it's a good time to have gold. Here's something new. I really, I really like these guys. This is a pretty incredible product. You know how the price of gold has been skyrocketing? Well, now there is a way to buy gold through a company called Acre. You might say, Michael, I don't have any money to buy gold. Well, I think you do. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 a month. You pay each month. Once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. This is physical gold, which is very important to have, especially when times are turbulent. Acre lets you invest in physical gold without it coming out of pocket all at once. Very helpful for those of us who can't just be dropping money on gold bars every single day. Acre keeps you updated on your gold stash every month, ships once you reach the price threshold. With Acre, taking physical delivery of your gold means it is safe and sound and in your hands. Actually, for a number of years now, I have in, enjoyed investing in precious metals, in f- physical precious metals. Uh, it's just something very conservative about that, you know, because you got it. You can actually have it in your hand. Visit getacregold.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to this URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar. They are giving away a bar of gold. Pretty good. Qualify for the giveaway. Uh, by tweeting or posting why you should be the recipient and mention at get underscore acre, A-C-R-E. That is get acre gold, G-E-T-A-C-R-E-G-O-L-D.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting our show. With everything going on in 2020, by the way, you know, there's a lot of drama with the debates. Well, get ready because the final debate is tomorrow. You can join us at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 Pacific for an all-new episode of Daily Wire backstage to watch the debate with us. Uh, you can join Daily Wire now as an insider or all-access member. Get 20% off with code DEBATE, so you can watch all the debate coverage live on our Apple TV or Roku apps. Do it. Head on over, dailywire.com. You can watch it. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook. And more importantly, you get 20% off your Daily Wire membership with code DEBATE. When you sign up today, stick around. We'll be right back with a lot more. So Michael Steele, former RNC chairman, is a loser. I'm not saying that as a petty insult. I'm saying that is what he is actively doing. He is saying, I, the former RNC chairman, I'm going to endorse Joe Biden, the Democrat, because I want our party to lose. But not everybody is a loser like that. Some people want to be winners. My favorite recent endorsement for President Trump comes from none other than Fiddy, Fiddy Cent. 50 Cent, I mentioned this very briefly at the end of the show yesterday, but I really want to just get into the full endorsement here. He tweets out, all caps, what the F, F star, 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 vote for Trump. I'm out. F New York. The Knicks never win anyway. I don't care. Trump doesn't like black people. 62%. Are you out of your effing mind? Is the 62% he is alluding to here is the Joe Biden tax proposal, which would tax the rapper at 62%. Wow, that is a lot of money, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the reason it would tax people that high is because you have state taxes as well and local taxes as well. And so blue states, which levy very high state and local taxes, all of a sudden you add that to the federal tax, which Biden is going to increase, 
and you, you end up working 62% of the year for the government. What does freedom mean if 62% of your year you are a serf to the government? I, I am not of the opinion that taxes are illegitimate by definition. I'm not of the opinion that all taxation is theft. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a funny line that con- conservatives and really more libertarians say sometimes, but I'm not of that opinion. However, when you get to 62%, now you're in a really dangerous territory. And 50, 50 Cent realizes that. And so he's coming out and saying, I don't, I don't care if Trump doesn't like black people. I think Fiddy is joking here, by the way. Because does anyone in their right mind believe Donald Trump doesn't like black people? Donald Trump was winning awards with Rosa Parks decades ago. The only time anyone ever accused Trump of racism is when he ran for office as a Republican. If he had ran, run as a Democrat, which he could have, no one would accuse him of that sort of thing. Contrary to the popular media representation, Trump has denounced white supremacy about 700 zillion times in his career. So I don't, but I think he's, I think he's joking. I think what Fiddy is doing here is joking about, because if, if he really felt that Trump were, you know, a a white supremacist or something, something tells me even the 62% he wouldn't vote for him. What he's saying is, yeah, okay, we hear all this blah, blah, blah about Trump hates black people. Yeah, I don't care, man. What does that, what does that mean in real life? If Trump seriously hated black people, how has that manifested? Has it manifested by him creating policies that have given great opportunity to black people? Has his white supremacy manifested by Trump affecting the lowest black unemployment rate in the history of the country? Has that manifested by President Trump making an explicit request for the black vote because he said that Democrats have been screwing over black people for hundreds of years and what have you got to lose? Is it is it because Trump has black friends? You know, I know that left for some reason, they always say, oh, how dare you mention that you have black friends? That's not proof that you're not racist. I think it is. Pretty sure it is. They, they, actually, the left always wants to cut that off and kind of mock the idea that because you have black friends, you're not a racist uh, as, as being somehow illegitimate. But I think they want to cut that off because it is simply the case that if you have black friends, you're not a racist. <laughs> it's just the way it is. You don't, if you really judge people, uh, you know, as, as inferior and superior on the, on the basis of race, then you're, you're not going to associate on an equal playing field with people that you think are by definition inferior. Trump has a lot of black friends. So Kanye West would be an example of this. Another rapper who's gone for Trump. There seems to be an interesting, uh, grouping of rappers here who are going for Donald Trump, which should be no surprise to anyone who's been paying attention because Donald Trump has appeared in many, many, many rap songs over the years as someone to emulate. Just that idea of Donald Trump breaking the the stodgy old Republican mold, the loser Republican mold, another reason uh, that he's been able to transform the party and and threaten the liberal regime because he's not willing to just play the court jester in the kingdom of liberalism. Not all celebrities though are like Fiddy, not all celebrities like President Trump, John Leguizamo, who's actually quite a good actor, uh, but a very annoying political commentator. John Leguizamo went on the Bill Maher show and he said that it, it is absolutely unacceptable for Hispanics to vote for Trump. There was an article I saw in the paper this week that talked about how, uh, and I thought this was sort of trading on stereotypes. It said that the, Trump is doing rather well with young Latino men because of the machismo factor. And, well, I see you're shaking your head. Is that, is it bad to I say? I mean, Latin people for Republicans are like roaches for raid. Let's just get real. So, 
I, I just feel like there's a level of, of self-hate or just lack of care for the rest of your Latin brothers and sisters who are in cages, who are, are, are being demonized by this president. I mean, hate crimes against Latin people are way up. And how can you not, I mean, 23 people were shot in El Paso for just being Latin and, 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 you, and you don't care, so you're gonna go for this braggadocio president? I, 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 don't, I, I just feel like it's self-hating and selfish. So not much of an argument there. You see John Leguizamo trying to make several arguments, but he can't complete the thought because none of them cohere. So he'll make one, he'll say, well, you're going to vote in people in cages? What do you mean Latin people in cages? Oh, he's referring to those photos that were going around when President Trump was enforcing our border and it showed some people, I don't know, kind of in cages or behind, at least behind metal. And what John Leguizamo doesn't know is those photos came from 2014 and those photos were from the Obama administration because the, the guy who put the, the illegal aliens in cages was Barack Obama. And the policy that re- required this sort of behavior came from the Clinton administration, came all the way back from the 90s. So not Trump's fault. Then he blames him because there were shootings in El Paso. El pa- Trump is now responsible for El Paso. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. What about Beto O'Rourke? Wasn't he, isn't Beto O'Rourke, wasn't he the representative from El Paso? No, it doesn't blame him. It just blames Trump. So there's no argument here. And what he's, what he's playing into is this oppression narrative, which was contrived in the 1970s and 80s, largely by the Ford Foundation, actually, but by a lot of left-wing activists who saw the effectiveness of the black civil rights and black power movement in the 1960s and 70s and tried to replicate it for other groups. But the, the thing about this is, Mike Gonzalez actually, uh, puts this very well in his recent book. I think it's called The Plot to Change America. The, the, the kind of grievance politics only works for black people. If it works at all, it only works for black people and specifically the descendants of slaves because only black people came to the United States on slave ships in chains against their will. All the other groups came to the United States voluntarily Somebody's great granddaddy, somebody's ancestors down the line chose to come to America. They came here for a purpose because it was better to come here than to stay where they were. And so it's completely incoherent for these, you know, extraordinarily privileged great, great grandchildren like John Leguizamo, a millionaire actor, Hollywood celebrity to come out and say, we're all so oppressed. No, you're not. Not only are you not oppressed now, but your ancestors weren't oppressed. They chose to come here voluntarily, but they try to do this with every single group. They're doing it now with Middle East, North Africa. People from the Middle East have always been classified as white in the United States, but in the past uh, decade or so, especially during the Obama administration, they tried to reclassify them as Middle East, North Africa. Linda Sarsour was behind this. Linda Sarsour was one of the voices behind this, and she's a radical left-wing activist. She, she started wearing a hijab, she was asked once, why, why do you wear the hijab? She said, if I don't wear the hijab, then I'm just another boring white lady in New York. Shows you the, the reality of white privilege, so-called. If there were such a thing as white privilege, then people wouldn't be trying to uh, disassociate with white people and identify with a new group called Middle East North Africa. The actual privilege is to be part of an aggrieved, victimized minority. There is no privilege for being, I mean, you just see this in affirmative action, right? You see this in hiring practices and college acceptance practices. So John Leguizamo, I've, no one's ever accused John Leguizamo of being the most sophisticated political philosopher in the world. But his argument here with the, with the Latinos 
has all of those premises behind it. And then it plays on a concept that goes all the way back to Karl Marx and then was really expanded by uh, what you call neo-Marxists or cultural Marxists under uh, Antonio Gramsci, for instance, or the New Left, Herbert Marcuse, a lot of these, a lot of these people you saw throughout the 20th century who were explicit Marxists working in the cultural sphere, they would describe false consciousness. The feminists uh, of the 1970s made this the, uh, into the mainstream. The, the, the idea of a false consciousness being it comes, it comes from these consciousness raising groups that uh, radical women would have around New York. They, and women would go there and say, gosh, I never knew I was oppressed. Before I went to the meeting, I thought I had a nice, happy life. But after I left the meeting and my consciousness was raised, the way the phrase exists today is called raising awareness, but then it was called raising consciousness. My consciousness was raised and now I realize how aggrieved and victimized and oppressed I am. And that's what John Leguizamo is saying. saying these people, they're self-hating Hispanics. They hate themselves. It's like a roach voting for raid. It's, they don't get it. They think they're happy and they think they love America and they think they have a good life. And they think their ancestors came here for a reason, but they're wrong. It's actually all terrible. It's be miserable, be miserable like me. That's what he's telling them. And the most ridiculous of all came from Elizabeth Warren who said that Trump is not just threatening one specific group, in her case, I suppose, the Cherokee, <laughs> uh, but that President Trump is threatening all life on Earth. We are reaching a moment on our planet in which the crisis that is upon us may no longer be one that we will be able to successfully fight back against. The climate crisis is here, and no, it is not, the science around this is not controversial. The science is clear. In fact, you know what scares me to death? Is every time we get more data and reanalyze the data, what we discover is the problem's even worse than we thought. We have even less time than we thought. And so what has Donald Trump done for four years? He not only hasn't made things better, he has actively made them worse. Donald Trump threatens the existence of human life, of all life on this planet. Can somebody get Senator Warren a fainting couch, please? She is becoming positively hysterical. She, I, I love this idea that the Democrats always do this because they're always fear mongering. They're doing it on the virus, as President Trump said to the press right at the very top of the show today. And they're doing it on the environment. They're doing it. They've been doing it for decades and decades. They used to do it on population, the population bomb. We're all going to be starving by the 1980s. What happened? Po the, you, the world population doubled and people have never been richer or fatter. They, they do it with, they did it with global cooling in the 1970s and we're all heading for an ice age. And then they, now they're doing it with global warming and who knows, they're going to do it with global moderation. Pretty soon, who knows? She goes, listen, listen, we, we told you that the world was going to end in 12 years. Well, now it's actually, ah, oh, it's going to be sooner even. Is it sooner? 10 years. Is that, well, is that enough to get you all terrified? How about nine years? How about it's going to end in 95 minutes if you don't vote for us right now. Please, please vote for us. Help us. The world is going to end. I don't think so. AOC told, what is it? Two years ago, she told us it was going to end in 12 years. Keep track of that clock, by the way, because now we're down to 10 or even less than 10. Actually, a couple years ago, Prince Charles, uh, one of the kookier members of the British royal family, told us the world was going to end in 18 months, which by my, by my clock means that the world has ended. <laughs> It's over. We've, it, it's ended. And I guess, are we in heaven now? Or are we in hell? Uh-oh. Well, looking around the political scene, doesn't feel like heaven. Obviously, these things are preposterous. The world is not 
I mean, no one knows the time or the hour, but at least the sun monster is probably not going to end the world within Elizabeth Warren's timetable. They're ginning up this hysteria on the racial issue like John Leguizamo and then on the global planetary issue like Elizabeth Warren because they're losing power and because for the first time in my lifetime, Republicans are not willing to just be losers and play their assigned role. Whether that's in the media, you know, sometimes there's the, there's the one conservative place, but they're not really conservative. They actually roll over. Or in the elected government, you know, there are a few conservative politicians, but they're not really conservative. They just roll over. They're like Michael Steele. Or in wherever. For the first time, you got a guy pushing back against these things. On, on the Hunter Biden stuff, on the DOJ, on the FBI, I, I will tell you, this is, we're, we're talking about firsts in our lifetime. This is by far the most impressive October surprise of my lifetime. Usually before elections in October, you will have some big campaign reveal. In 2016, the October surprise that Democrats had was they had a video of Donald Trump cracking jokes with Billy Bush during Access Hollywood. Cracking jokes about, oh yeah, I, this woman will let me do whatever I want, that sort of thing. Locker room talk, as it was called. In 2020, we now have evidence that the Biden family is crooked and also that they were looking at kitty porn on Hunter's laptop. We didn't even touch on that today. I guess we'll have to get to that tomorrow. We still have like what, two or three weeks until the election. This, this is that famous Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. We're already living through one Chinese curse. Now we've got another one too. The one thing I can, pro- I'm not going to predict the future. The one thing I can promise you though, October is not over and many surprises are yet to come. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. The great derangement is upon us. The media has gone absolutely insane in its hysterical attacks on Donald Trump and its desperate attempts to silence the Joe Biden scandal. We'll take a look at all that. Plus, we've got the mailbag, so all your problems will be solved on The Andrew Claven Show.